Hello, and welcome to the Yarniacs podcast. This is episode number 178, which we are recording on Tuesday, October 23rd, 2018. I'm Gail. And I'm Charlene. And it's finally cold enough to wear hand knits almost every day lately. <laughs> it's been a very exciting change in weather. Very exciting, because especially for us, our our fall, this time of fall, is usually blisteringly warm during the day. So I'm quite excited to be having a cool fall. <laughs> so am I. It's very, very awesome. This morning, I'm wearing two hand knits. And when Max left for school, he was wearing his sweater that I knit for him, too. I said, look at us. We're both wearing our hand knits today. This is pretty awesome. And Mike was wearing his this morning, but not all three of us at the same time. Yeah, so. yeah. So, speaking of what we're wearing, what are you wearing? I am wearing my Easy One sweater by Hohi Locatelli. You may remember a couple of episodes ago, I mentioned that I sadly ripped the bottom of the sweater when I got the hem caught on a wire rack in the dishwasher. Grumble. Very strange Mm. because there's... It's the wire rack that holds the top layer, holds all the glasses. And for some odd reason, there's a break in the wire on the side along the top. And it's on the other side, too. So it's symmetrical. It's obviously intentional. But I have no idea why there's that strange break in the wire that is now affectionately known as the sweater catcher wire. I'll bet. Yeah, I'll bet. (laughs) But on the plus side, I managed to finish this sweater. I'm going to stand up so I can show Gail. I finished it the way that I originally conceived that I wanted it, which is with a split seam, split split hem. So there's a seam on the side between the front and the back hem, and the back ribbing is about an inch longer than the front ribbing which helps me put the sweater on (laughs) so that I can get the front and the back correctly because this neckline is really close. There's the front of this neckline. It's it's like a crew neck line in the fact that it's very close to the neck and it's very hard to tell unless you fold the sweater up perfectly, center the shoulders and everything mm-hmm. to see which front which is the front and which is the back and I have been looking for which neck which neckline just goes a little bit lower so this way it's very obvious which is the front and, and it looks which really is the cute. back thank you it looks really cute thank you i had a problem with it the first time i tried that I had put the split seam exactly on the side seam. There is not a side seam on the sweater, but where a side seam would be. I had put it exactly on the side, and when I wore it, it looked like the split was more towards the back. So based on that, I moved the split a little bit forward, Mm -hmm. and I'm much happier with it. That makes so much sense. (laughs) So much sense. Yeah. Yeah. So that is The Easy One by Hohi Locatelli. How about you, Gail? What are you wearing? I'm wearing my Veronica Pullover by Coco Knits. 
And Charlene didn't mention, but her Easy One sweater is knit in Holtz Garn Coast, and so is my Veronica. And my Veronica has the same exact problem discerning front and back because there oh. is no <laughs> neck shaping in the back. Yeah. So there's literally no way to tell which is front and which right. is back. So right. you would think you would just throw it on. But every time I put it on, I feel like I'm asymmetrical. You're trying to figure out. Yes. yes. But <laughs> it feels like the fronts aren't even. Boo just jumped up on the table. He just came in to say hi. And the... So the front, it's curved. The curved, it's a swancho, basically. This pullover is a swancho. And it's curved in the fronts and the backs. And it's a, would you call it a gap underneath the arm? Um, it's hard to describe. It's but, a hem. It just goes up in a V towards the underarm. Yeah, it, but the front and the back actually cover my butt and my front. So right, it's just got... A curve, a very sharp curve. Sharp and long. Yeah. So the fronts hang down, but there's a gap. I have to wear something underneath it. Otherwise, you would see my skin yes. between the gaps yes. at the front and the back. If yeah. that makes any sense, please look at it at Ravelry because I'm really <laughs> massacring this Well, one. it's not a traditional sweater. Like no, you said, it's not. the swancho half sweater, half poncho. So, therefore, it's not exactly symmetrical as I expect a sweater to be. So the, the curves, every time I put it on, I feel like it's uneven. So I'm often pulling and tugging on the fronts and the backs to make them seem like they align well, properly in my body. It's not asymmetrical, though. No, it's not, no. but it feels okay. like it is. Yes, okay, so got it. <laughs> that, between that and the lack of knowing what which is front and back. You have to get it to sit properly on your body yes. so that you feel that... It's symmetrical. And even when I think it's on my body properly, it doesn't feel symmetrical. Oh, that's interesting. It's, it's weird. So the way you said that you made your split hem closer to the front right. instead of exactly on the side, yes. I think this sweater could have benefited from the same thing. Oh, I think if the if it had been pulled more towards the front, maybe it would sit it's more symmetrically. It's probably got something to do with the shape of the human body and how the sweater what are how a garment drapes because we're not flat yeah what time <laughs> really not flat <laughs> that's for sure i also was trying which other one was i putting on the other day it was weekender so there isn't shaping, oh there is but not shaping no there's no shaping you have to look at the hem yeah the hem because the back hem is slightly longer so that's exactly with the weekender same thing you compare the bottom to know which is front and back yes <laughs> but i'm also wearing one other hand knit I am wearing my Bifrost shawl, which is a kit I got from Infinite Twist, and it is a beautiful long garter stitch shawl that's knit on the bias, and it has so many different colors. The kit came with all of the different colors and instructions for a Russian join, so you don't even have to weave in all the ends. And it goes from a raspberry into a light purple to a dark purple to a blue to a teal to green to greenish yellow to yellow to orange and to red. And it's so, so pretty. And that's beautiful. Isn't it gorgeous? Because I weeded out my shawl collection and my scarf collection after vacation, I now see what I have much more easily. So when I was getting dressed today, my sweater is a royal blue, 
And the shawl, the scarf just looks so good with the royal blue. It does. And I could see it right there in my closet. It wasn't buried under 30 other shawls or something. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my gosh, I'm going to wear those together today. Yeah. And I feel so stylish too. It looks so great. Fun. I love it. So that's the Bifrost shawl by Kate of Infinite Twist. And speaking of Infinite Twist, they are our sponsor this month. We would like to thank Infinite Twist for sponsoring the Yarniacs podcast for the month of October. In the mood for a gorgeous gradient, whether you're making a shawl, scarf, cowl, or beyond, Infinite Twist can take your project over the rainbow with unique semi-solid gradients in brilliant hues. Colorways are one or two of a kind, and when they're gone, they're gone. Join Infinite Twist's newsletter to be among the first to find out about limited edition yarns, new kits, special offers, and get free patterns. Sign up during October and get a free copy of the Opie the Mini Octopus pattern at infinitetwist.com. No, she th- they said over the rainbow in that yes. I'm wearing my rainbow <laughs> scarf. Are. That was completely... Awesome coincidence. Very perfect. What have you been stocking? I've been stocking some fun things. The first one is a pattern from exactly two years ago that I have been putting in and out of my queue probably since the pattern came out. (laughs) And it's really cute, really basic, but it packs a punch. It's called the Cooperish Cow, and it's by Katie Carroll. And yeah, I know I've wanted to make this one. I love chevrons, and this one is a pretty basic cowl with a chevron pattern. So if you use a multicolor, or even you could do tiny stripes, you could even get one of those Missoni-inspired type cowl patterns too. But yes, you could use, Gail mentioned scraps, you could use those gradient sets that maybe you have sitting in your stash and haven't used yet. Because they're so pretty when you see them, and then you get home and go, oh, hmm, what am I going to do And with this? I have, I think, two that have been sitting in stash because I can't find the perfect pattern for them, you know? So, but you can also use partials or leftovers, but very cute. I think it's very stylish. I own this cowl pattern. I bought it, I think, last year for the Indie Knitters Design Along or Knit Along. And yeah, that's been in my queue for a long time too. It hasn't come back out. It's remained in my queue, but my queue is a lot longer than yours. (laughs) I go through and clean it out occasionally and i've been doing that quite a bit lately so it's my my queue is actually very short right now but that is the cooperish cow by katie h carroll the last few items that i have been stocking are fun things that i want to mention for halloween <laughs> they're all kind of cat and black, specifically black cat inspired. Well, no, this first one isn't necessarily a black cat. It's a gray sweater, so I guess it's kind of a gray cat. But it's called the Wilder People Cat Sweater. And it came out this month, and it has a big 
cat face on the front of the sweater. And there have been versions of sweaters with big cat faces before. I always think they're cute, but I never really get inspired to make one. Oh, you would wear that if you made it, though. You totally (laughs) would wear that. I might. But it's, yeah, it's cute, and it's It's very Halloween. Very, very Halloween. I think that that's a year-round sweater. I don't. (laughs) I would wear it all year. Well, it reminds me, actually, have you ever seen the show? I think it's just called Kimmy Schmidt. No, I haven't. It, the show might the unbreakable have a, Kimmy Schmidt. Yes, I think is what that's it's called. it. Yeah. No, I have not watched. It's it. a Netflix sitcom. Netflix. <laughs> Did that, I just say that, that was a very perfect <laughs> mix of words? Netflix. <laughs> well, because for me, Netflix really is Netflix. I agree, hundred <laughs> percent. So I rechristen Netflix as Netflix. (laughs) You'll know you're talking to a knitter if they say Netflix. Netflix. So the Kimmy Schmidt show is a Netflix sitcom. And the main character, Kimmy, often wears cat-themed sweaters or tops. So this looks like something that the main character would wear. So that is Wilder People, Wilder People, Wilder People Cat Sweater by Hunt for the Wilder People. (laughs) And I have to put in a plug here for the beautiful Intarja Fox Sweater. One of our listeners knit for the Colors of Fall knit along. That was so beautiful. Very similar to the cat, but it was a fox. Oh, okay. And then the second thing, this is a black cat for Halloween. It's (laughs) called Pierre the Cat. (laughs) By Cindy Pylon. And this one is a pattern that came out in June, but it's perfect for Halloween. It It's a felted black kitten. It looks very lifelike. That's it why looks I was laughing really so hard. Lifelike, I looked up and, and saw the picture I and was think, surprised. I think it's even a life-size kitten. I really do. And it's felted. It's got that kitten fur texture to it, It too. really does. <laughs> that is really cute. Yeah. This is a lot more work than I would be willing to put in for a little stuffed cat. But the sample that has been made is so well done. It's perfectly posed in a cat pose. The eyes, she's got the glass cat eyes. It's it's a great sample. It's it adorable. really is. It really is. So that is Pierre the Cat by Cindy pylon and the last thing which is quite hilarious is called professor meow gonna cow (laughs) it's supposed to be a play on mcgonagall yep from harry potter and this one is by tiny owl knits and it is a cowl with a striped cat with glasses on the cowl except it's not a a cat that's like intarsia knit onto a cowl we're talking an actual stuffed three-dimensional three-dimensional knit cat on the cowl in fact it's kind of (laughs) creepy Like you said that because I'm sitting here thinking I would never wear that. No, it's kind of scares me. This would only be Halloween attire for me. Yes, that would have to be very specific 
to a themed event. Yes. Yeah, I agree. I'm, it's, it's very it's, cool, but It I, is very cool, but it's not something I would wear casually. No. Yeah. But they have it styled <laughs> with somebody wearing a pointed black witch hat, and it sets the tone for Halloween very well. <laughs> I love her patterns, too. Yeah. Tiny Alna. She yeah. has really adorable patterns. Yeah. So this one is pretty funny. Professor Meow Gonacowl by Tiny Owl Knits. So those are the three things that I have been stalking, specifically Halloween related and one not necessarily Halloween related. How about you, Gail? What have you been stalking? I have been stalking nothing to do with Halloween. So <laughs> I've been stalking first a new pattern that just came out two days ago by our friend Kim from Western Sky Knits. Oh, she cool. designed the Winter Winds Cowl and it's knit up in bulky yarn. So Kim has a yarn base called Biggie that she used for her sample. But if you have bulky yarn that's been sitting around your stash because you don't know what to do with bulky yarn, which is what I would be thinking, it's a really cute cow. It has some texture. It's somewhat tall, but not really tall. So I would imagine it would keep your neck really, really warm. So that was a fun thing to see in my patterns. You know, you have your pattern highlight section and then this is what I do every day. I When I open Ravelry, I click on the patterns tab. I see what my highlights are because usually that's the newest thing that my favorite designers or whatever have knit right. and published. And then I click to see what's hot right now. Mm -hmm. So I went straight from seeing it in my highlights to, oh my gosh, it's also in hot right now. So well done, Kim. Congratulations. Yay. And I'm kind of stalking one shawl. And I really think this is mostly due to seeing Kate E. Roberts' finished version. I don't know how I happened across that, but I saw the pattern when it was released. It's called Saturate, and it's a crescent fade shawl by Mara Catherine Briner. And then I saw Kate E. Roberts' version and kind of fell in love with it. Hmm. It's massive. It is oh, a five-skein <laughs> crescent shaped fingering oh, white shawl wow. fade. Wow. Yeah. So I would not knit it that big, but the thing that makes this stand out from other crescent shaped faded shawls is the fringe. It has so much beautiful fringe and I just love it. I think the fringe is really cool. And I pinged Kate and asked her if it was difficult to do the fringe. And she said, not difficult, but time consuming. So if you check out the shawl, that's what's really drawing my eye to it. But the more I think about it, the more I think you could add fringe and or tassels to probably almost any shawl. Of course. If there yeah. was room in the bind off for the yarn to go through to make your fringe, for example. So I'm kind of playing around with the idea of adding fringe to my next shawl because I always like the way it looks and I like to run my fingers through fringe. Mm -hmm. So that's Saturate by Mara Catherine Briner, and we'll see what that evolves into in my brain. Can I make a comment about yeah. this? The interesting thing is that, so the main body of the shawl, the crescent-shaped body of the shawl goes from light to dark. So at the very top of the shawl, the straight edge, you've got the lightest color, and then what would be the edge of the crescent-shaped shawl is the darkest color. But what it looks like is 
an add-on edging. And so as you go from, let's say we go from left or from right to left, she goes from the lightest color again to the darkest color. Yeah, which she is faded very the fringe. Cool. Yeah. yeah. And not everyone did that. So there are different variations. Some people did different types of fades with the fringe. Some people mixed the different colors together in their fringe. Mm. So people did it different ways. Some people, it was the final color of the shawl was the color of the fringe. So fun. Yeah, lots of different techniques and, you know, different styles came through on different people's finished objects, which I just love. Yeah. So it's a fun one to look at the finished projects for sure. And the third thing I am stocking is a cardigan pattern called Rose, and it's by Andrea Mowry. And this is a cardigan, a very positive ease shaped cardigan. And when she released it, I was really looking forward to it because fade cardigan, Mm -hmm. that sounds really exciting, but it doesn't have front closures. And when it first came out, I thought, oh, that's just too much fabric for me. But we saw a woman wearing one at Vogue Knitting Live in San Francisco, and it was beautiful. It really was. Just stunning. It really was. And it's one of those sweaters that I have gone, personally, I've gone back and forth about. Yeah, I... Looking at it, I just think it, I don't feel like it would stay on my body well, because Mm. that's always my concern with open front cardigans. And there's a lot of fabric there. But this woman looked stunning in hers. She did. And the FOs in Ravelry are just amazing. So I've been stocking that a lot. It's written for sport weight yarn, but the version we saw live was fingering. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people have knit this in fingering weight yarn. It's four colors. And it has cable details on the front bands, on the back of the neck, and I think on the sleeves as well. So it has not just a fade happening, but there's some, there are really pretty design elements. And it's just a beautiful sweater. It really is. It's probably one of those ones that for both of us, we need to try it on. Oh, that's a good point. Before we make a final decision. So hopefully... Someone at Stitches. Someone, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> Gail and I will be attending Stitches in February of 2019. And hopefully we will find somebody wearing one that will let us try it on. Yeah. That <laughs> so would be great. So if you great. have knit a rose by Andrea Mallory and we'll be at Stitches 2019. And letting us try it on. Please let us know. <laughs> because it really is just very stunning. And it really is. I've already been looking through my stash to see if I have the stash to do it. And the one thing that's going to make that difficult is that it would take less than a single skein for two of the colors, but almost two skeins for two of the other colors. And I don't have two two skeins of speckled yarn. I always just have a single skein. So you could probably make it work with more than four colors, I'm imagining, but... I think it's knit modularly, so I don't know how it's constructed for sure, but it's also dolman sleeve, so it's going to be knit in, a, in an interesting way mm-hmm. that uses more of certain colors in certain places. So I would have to look at the pattern to see how to finagle that into more than four skeins. So it's an interesting yardage requirement for the four colors. I see. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, the first color uses very little. 
And then the last two colors, two skeins, like yeah. you said. So you could probably space that out differently. But again, I'd have to see the pattern. So that is Rose by Andrea Murray. And I just seem to love every single thing she's done. So <laughs> there's another example of that. And what are you knitting? In my hands, I have another beachcomber cowl. This is my third that I have cast on in about as many weeks because it's super easy pattern. I've talked about it every episode since... It's just ribbing, knit to purl to rib. It is a pattern by Melissa Thompson, available through Ravelry. I, if I recall correctly, I think it's not hosted on Ravelry, but it has a link to a site where the pattern is hosted. And it's just ribbing. The sample that is shown on Ravelry is also knit in stripes, which I did not do. For the first two that I did, I just used single skeins. And the third one that I'm working on right now, I am using partial balls, scraps, oh, basically. Cool. So, yeah, that'll be fun. Pretty easy. And I can knit ribbing while we record. So. <laughs> And we'll do just about anything, probably. And then the second thing I'm working on is my Weekender Pullover by Andrea Mowry. Once again, <laughs> I just pulled this one out to show Gail because I have put it aside for the last week or so because I was I have been inspired to finish another project, which I did eventually finish. So now I need to get back to my Weekender. Gail has already knit this one, and I guess I'm bandwagoning it. <laughs> That's because it's so darn cute. It is really cute. It's a very boxy sweater. And for those of you that don't know the term bandwagon, bandwagoning, it just means it's a popular trend, and I am jumping on the bandwagon. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you speak English, but in another country, or English as a second language, it's probably one of those things that yeah. you wouldn't. No. Cliche so, or yeah, whatever yeah, that we use yeah. nonchalantly, but yeah. other people say, what does that mean? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and Weekender is a worsted weight pullover. It's knit with the pearl side out. It's got a ribbed neckline, and it's very oversized, very boxy. Like I said, there's no shaping. It's knit, I think, recommended ease is like 10 inches, something approximately. And from what I saw on Instagram, it looked like it was a very popular sweater at the New York Sheep and Wool event that was this past weekend. <laughs> I saw a lot of folks wearing it, although I wasn't necessarily stalking Rhinebeck pictures. But yeah, there have been a lot of Rhinebeck pictures popping up on Instagram for sure. Yeah. And yeah. I keep waiting to hear which sweater or sweaters were the it Rhinebeck sweaters. Yeah. So they're not yeah. named a Rhinebeck sweater, but every year there's a there handful of patterns that are the popular most popular exactly. sweater that is worn. So I look forward to hearing what it was this year. Yeah. And then the third thing that I am working on is I cast on my fading point. Yay! Yay. I'm so, so excited. <laughs> so am I. This one is the Very Large Shawl by Hohi Locatelli. It's a rectangular shawl, so a stole. 
and I bought the Fading Point kit from Neighborhood Fiber Company when Gail and I were in San Francisco a couple weeks ago at the Vogue Knitting Live event. And what I have ultimately done was split my first two colors into half skeins so that I can knit each half of the shawl separately. And we'll see how that works. <laughs> if, if I end up not liking knitting both parts at the same time, then by the time I get to the third color, I can just knit through all the third color and then knit through the third color again on the second one. We'll yeah. see. Super adaptable. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that is Fading Point by Hohi Locatelli. What are you knitting, Gail? Right now in my hands, I am knitting the Clara dress by Karen Vestergaard Matheson and it is a pattern for a baby. It comes in two sizes and I don't remember exactly what they are but I think this I'm knitting the second size which I'm guessing is about a 12 month size and I'm using Candy Skein's Scrumptious Fingering which is a merino cashmere nylon blend in the colorway Plum which is just stunning and the pattern it's bottom up and it starts with a border or hem of seed stitch. Then it goes into about a 20 row lace repeat that gives a very geometrical V with columns. And then you knit stockinette for a long time with eyelets that are at the top of the V leading up the body. And then you get to do some fun stuff to have a seed stitch little waistline and then cute little sleeves and it's just adorable and there's mm -hmm. a little lace yoke at the top as well and the combination of pattern and yarn it's a sophisticated baby knit it really is yeah most of the what things great yarn. i've knit for olivia so far my granddaughter who's due in january have been more dare I say colorful. This is a very colorful yarn, but it's more sedate. It's more sophisticated. Mm -hmm. It's more, it's gorgeous. It's just beautiful. And I'm super excited about it. Alex is going to be here in Santa Cruz the first weekend in November for her baby, her local baby shower. And I've finished the kiss me romper, which I knit as a sleep sack. And I'm going to try to knit an elf baby hat to match that. And I also want to give her the dress. So I I will get it done, but I have a long way to go still. I'm a few inches into the body, which needs to be nine inches long before you start the waist and then the upper part and decreases and things like that. So I have a ways to go, but it's a really enjoyable knit between the pattern and the yarn. It's just making me really, really happy. So loving knitting this right now. And again, that's the Clara dress by Karen Vestigard Matheson. And the pattern is really well written, but there are no charts for the lace, which doesn't bother me at all. I prefer, if I have a choice between charts and written out rows, I'm usually going to go with the written out rows anyway, because I'm more of a, I learn and remember better by reading than just mm -hmm. by looking at a chart. But it's a super easy lace pattern, so it wasn't difficult to yeah. follow the rows. And yeah. it's a 20 row re or 20 stitch repeat. So it's not difficult at all. So I like the pattern. Mm -hmm. I love the yarn. I don't know if I've knit with Tammy's scrumptious fingering before. This is her 600 yard put up. And she has a newer merino cashmere nylon 
blend called Luscious Fingering mm-hmm. that's a little bit thicker than this, I would say. And But they're both absolutely lovely yarns, so I'm just loving this one. Mm-hmm. And that's really all that I'm knitting right now. I have five fantasy knitting projects <laughs> happening in my head because there are things that I have yarn for that I can't wait to start that right. I'm really excited about, but I haven't even swatched for them yet. What have you finished? Well, you've heard that I finished my second Beachcombers cowl. So that was just a basic ribbed cowl that I knit in a single skein that I had in my stash. And that one will be going into my charity gift pile for the season. I'm not sure if I'm going to, I'm not sure where I'm donating yet. So that one is just going into the into the pile for when I make that decision. Yep. And then the second thing that I have finished is my washed out shawl by Hohi Locatelli. And it's so pretty. I'm so excited to have finished this one because as you heard, I wouldn't allow myself to start my fading point <laughs> until I finished my washed out. But I really love the way the colors turned out on this. I had taken three single skeins from three different dyers even, and they just happened to all work together so well. Mm -hmm. I had one skein from Dragonfly, one skein from Hedgehog Fibers, and one skein from Madeline Tosh. So isn't that crazy? (laughs) That's great. Three completely different dyers, and the colors just went together so well. And so, what did you think of Hedgehog? Because is that the first time you've used it? I've never knit with it. It is. I enjoyed it. Excellent. I liked knitting with it a lot. I really did. And I think part of the joy of knitting with it was just that I loved the way that that color worked with this Dragonfly Fibers color. They oh, just yeah. worked really well together. And one of the things I love most about what I consider to be a successful fade is when you can barely tell the difference between the two yarns mm-hmm. and she did that flawlessly yeah. these two colors just yeah I loved fade it. together so loved well. it loved it loved it and so three almost full skeins are used in washed out and so it's a very big shawl but i have been wearing my hoo-hooey a lot i have been too uh, it's my go-to lot. shawl now. yeah me too and i don't know if it's because of the three colors, they seem there seems to be something that I wear all the time that matches mm-hmm. one of the colors, and then it just goes very well with what I'm wearing, or if it's because it's a larger shawl. Because at first, when I finished it, I thought, oh, maybe it's going to be too big for casual, everyday wear, but yet... Here I am. Yep. Casual, everyday wear. I'm wearing my hoo-hooey. It's a very large three-skein shawl. So maybe it's just that it's chilly now and I want that extra large wrap around my neck. Yeah, I Who agree. Knows? And my hoo-hooey is out for easy access and I've been wearing it probably a couple times a week. Mm-hmm. And I'm finding that I double wrap them. Yeah, so I, start I do too. Looking, I hold it up in both hands, looking at the wrong side of the shawl. I put it around my throat, and then I pull the shorter ends back around to the front and tie them right in the front over the top of the bottom layer. 
And it's just so easy to do that. It doesn't it move. Really it's not fidgety. Yeah. It's warm. It, it looks cute. I get compliments. I do too. Yeah. It's great. It's, I don't, I, both of us, the colors that we use just look so fabulous together too. And so. they're so us. Our, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They and really that's are. probably a good part of the reason we reach for them so much is that they're so us. Yeah. They're so yeah. the colors we always wear that right. make us feel good. <laughs> that And a lot of my shawls are really bright and my hahui is not super bright. So it's kind of the toned down neutral shawl in my collection. So that makes it very appealing to yeah, me. Yeah, mine isn't super bright either. But it's still colorful. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So it just works. So I think that I will wear the larger shawl, and I look forward to washing, washed out, and getting it blocked and get get all the lines straight, straight, so that I can wear it. Yay! How about you, Gail? What have you finished? I had another big finish. I seem to be the two-week sweater knitter, which is very, <laughs> very bizarre. But I finished my Nanilchik Swancho, which when we last recorded two weeks ago today, I was hand-winding the Submersed colorway from Madeline Tosh on Tosh Amazing. Yeah, and I finished it on Sunday. So, wow, I blew myself away with that one because it's a big old Swancho. It is, but it's also big yarn. DK weight. So I was holding Tosh Merino Light held doubled, and I omitted several of the color work charts. So I called mine the minimalist Nanilchik Swancho. Mm-hmm. So in it's by Caitlin Hunter of Boylan Knits. And the original has color work starting just under the ribbing for the collar and going almost all the way down the body of the Swancho. And mine has much less color work than that. So I used almost the same amount of colors as she did, but I did them differently. So I love how it turned out. It's not quite what I was aiming for, but I still really, really like it. And I used, let's see, one, two, three, at least four single skeins from my stash and another two skein quantity that was left over from a different sweater that has been sitting around for many, many years. So I got a lot of stuff out of my stash. All of it was from stash. Didn't buy any yarn for this one. And the color work was so much fun. So much fun. <laughs> it There might have been one or two rows with three colors. I think there were near the top of the sweater. And they were not difficult. I was, as a general rule, I do not like color work where there's more than two colors in a row. <laughs> but this was manageable and didn't frustrate me. And I was worried that yarn management was going to be challenging yeah. because holding two strands together with color work means I'm holding four strands of yarn. But there is a Lucy Neatby tutorial that's on one of her CD collections where she does such a fantastic job of describing how to do color work holding one color in each hand. So I usually use I usually knit with my working yarn in my left hand and I was holding working yarn in both hands and my gauge was really even and she also has great instructions on how to wrap your floats. There weren't too Mm. many places you need to do that but if you're not familiar with color work, while you're knitting with one color, the other color is being held behind your work. 
and that's called a float. So when you do another stitch with that second color, you've integrated that into your row. Now there's a section of that yarn that's floating along the back of your work that's not attached to anything. And kind of the rule of thumb is you don't wanna go more than five stitches without catching your float. And what catching your float means is you go to do a stitch, but you wrap the color you're not using around your needle in a certain way. You start to knit the stitch and then you remove the yarn you're not using. So it actually gets caught in the working yarn, but it doesn't show on the facing public facing side of the sweater or of whatever you're knitting. Lucy Neat B's tutorial is fantastic. I will put a link to her website and the name of the CD. She, I purchased a collection that I downloaded from her website many years ago, and I periodically will just randomly look through some of them, or if I'm starting something that has a technique I haven't done before, mm -hmm. I will go back to those tutorials because they're excellent. So I highly recommend that as a tutorial if you're not familiar with knitting color work with both hands or catching your floats. And I think that was part of the reason that it knit up so quickly is I was holding both working yarns at the same time and catching my floats very rhythmically where I used to <laughs> drop one color, wrap the other color around, pick the working color back up. It was this slow, tedious, not producing method of catching mm -hmm. my floats. And now I don't have to do that anymore. Yeah. So yarn management wasn't an issue Good. and I would be wearing it today. It's already blocked in everything, but because it's so thick, it has not been drying because our weather oh, hasn't yeah. been warm enough. So I keep moving it from sunny spot to sunny yeah. spot to sunny spot, but it's still a little bit damp. Wow. So yeah, hmm. but I'm incredibly happy with it. And now I want to knit all the color work. <laughs> I want to knit her Tecumseh sweater, which we talked about on the last episode, which we saw live at Vogue Knitting Live. And I did a serious hunt through my stash because that's a DK weight sweater. And I was considering knitting it in fingering held doubled or changing the pattern to knit a larger size in fingering weight. But I realized I have a sweater quantity of Lang Yarn Donegal Tweed Ooh. in DK weight that I've had in my stash for at least five years that I bought in France with my friend Rebecca. Rebecca oh. Whip on Ravelry. Hi, Rebecca. And I bought three skeins of light pink and two skeins of natural. And as I was looking at Tecumseh, I was thinking that would really work. I would just need one contrasting color. And I didn't have enough of the pink. Pink will be my main color. The bigger color work will be in white and the smaller color work will be in charcoal. So I ended up going online and found a distributor in the US and bought three skeins more of the yarn. Oh, and wow. now I have a sweater quantity. Wow. And Caitlin Hunter was having a sale over the weekend, mm -hmm. so I bought the Tecumseh pattern, so I'm ready to go. <laughs> and I have oh all my, my yarn and pattern ready to go for Andrea Mowry's The Throwback Cardigan. So oh, I wow. am ready for the color work, you and I'm so excited. Color work craze. I am. I'm so excited. <laughs> so I think that's happening to a lot of us right now because of all yeah. the patterns that are out there with it's color work. definitely hot right now. And it's so much fun to knit. <laughs> so much fun. So there were a lot of tips and tricks comments in our tips and tricks yeah. thread in our Ravelry yeah. group. If you haven't seen that thread, it's really interesting. It's not just people asking questions, but it's everybody giving their own tips and tricks. So it was really educational to read through that thread. I hadn't looked at it in quite a while, but Charlene and I wanted to talk about a couple of things from that thread today. 
Well, somebody had requested that we talk again about adding length to a sweater that is knit bottom up and how to prepare or tentatively prepare for adding length to it. And it's one of the things that you have to do before you start the sweater is plan for this. Yes. And this <laughs> yeah. came up because of calyx. That's right. That's sweater. right. Yeah. And one of the one of the reasons that it came up is because we knew several people who were knitting it and they were saying that they weren't sure how long they wanted the sweater to be. And one of the plans, one of the ideas that several of us came up with was to just go ahead and knit an extra pattern repeat as you are knitting the body of the sweater. So you don't know if you're gonna need that extra pattern repeat, but you knit it anyway, just in case, because if it's bottom up, then you can always undo the extra pattern repeat. Provided now, that you've planned for it before you right, pass on. Exactly. So that's why you have to think about it in advance. Because the other thing that you then will have to do is leave your stitches on, leave your bottom stitches live. So start with a provisional cast on so that you can knit in both directions because the sweater has ribbing at the bottom and what you would do is knit your extra pattern repeat or if you're knitting in stockinette knit, knit your extra inches knit up knit the body of your sweater do your shoulder shaping and your sleeves so that when you try it on it sits properly try it on and then decide if you're going to keep that extra pattern repeat or extra inches you may have knit if it's stockinette if you're if you're going to keep it then you take those live stitches and you knit your ribbing down if you're not going to keep the extra inches you pull it out and then knit your ribbing down yeah so you can customize <laughs> it after the fact versus if you cast on with something like a long tail cast on at the bottom of your sweater and knit up it's very very difficult to then snip and undo as opposed to if you plan for it do a provisional cast on knit a little extra knowing that you might need to rip it out before you start your ribbing that's right. so much easier right so much easier and ripping things out going in that direction is not necessarily easy because you can't always just pull as you would if you're <laughs> yeah. if you're were undoing it from the top but it's going to be easier than undoing the sweater and adding length at that point. Basically, you have to plan for it. It's not something that you can knit a sweater and then say, oh, I want to add extra length without planning something different. <laughs> I mean, that you could do that, but that requires something different. What we're talking about is pre-planning for the possibility of having the extra inches. Right. <laughs> so if it's an unknown, if it's a sweater pattern you're not familiar with, if it's a style that you don't already wear, so you can't compare it to a sweater you already have knit that's in your stash or in your wardrobe, because that's what I do. I measure a sweater I already have of a similar style, and then I knit that length 
if it's bottom up. That's what I did with Weekender. I compared it to Clio and said, I like this length on my body. Instead of knitting 15 inches for Clio, as the pattern states, I'm going to knit 10 because that's what I like on my body. Mm -hmm. If I hadn't known, I could have done a provisional cast on and then knit more length if I wanted to. Another example in our Colors of Fall knit along, Linda, Naughty 54 Knitter, she knit the Autumn's End sweater by Alana Dacos. That's another bottom-up lace sweater. And when she got to the sleeves and started doing the yoke section, which is not easy when you're doing, I believe it's raglan-shaped, that sweater. And when you're decreasing and you have all those stitches on the needle super tight, it's challenging to knit those first couple rounds Mm -hmm. well she was worried it was going to be too short and that she was going to have to at that point she'd knit most of the yoke she was worried she was going to have to rip back everything back to where she attached the sleeves and then knit more body well in that case that's another example where she hadn't known she could have done a provisional cast on in that case and started with the lace repeat knit a little bit more lace if she wanted to, and then when she was done with the sweater, tried it on and maybe ripped back that lace if she needed to, but if not, then she could have just knit the ribbing or garter stitch, whatever is at the bottom of Mm -hmm. that sweater. So that's another similar, it's a lace weight, or it's a lace pattern sweater, bottom up, etc. So that's just one way that you can save yourself a lot of trouble if you're knitting a bottom up sweater with some kind of mystery involved with the one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which happens to all of us on occasion. Right, exactly. Yeah. And hopefully that's clear. If it's not, ask questions. Someone will try <laughs> to help you. Really, it's just one of those things that you have to pre-plan for. If you suddenly decide that a sweater that you've already knit is too short, then you'll have to take different steps to fix that. Yeah. But this this is all about the pre-planning. <laughs> so, so, yeah. And before I forget, I have to say that along tips and tricks, Charlene had talked about her method for closing the gap when you're knitting in the round so that you know how if you knit in the round and then you bind off on that last stitch, there's always that funky gap between your first stitch and your final bind off stitch. Well, I've been using the closing the gap method ever since when I knit in the mm-hmm. round, which I've been knitting a lot of things in the round. And I love it. I love it. I yeah. love it so much. <laughs> it looks so much better. <laughs> Yay. So thank you for that. Yay. And my tip today is based on something I did this weekend. So I'm getting ready to knit these color work sweaters and I'm getting ready to knit a three color shawl. One of the colors in my shawl and one of the colors in one of the sweaters is natural. So I always have a fear that other colors are going to bleed when I block the garment and then my natural will no longer be natural. Oh, it's so good to consider that possibility. Yeah, it's it happens frequently. So especially super bright and vivid colors will often bleed. And it's a real bummer when your project is quote ruined. I mean, sometimes it's not a total loss, but it's a bummer. So one thing I usually block with color catchers. So a color catcher looks like a fabric softener dryer sheet that you would pop in the dryer, but instead you put it in with your blocking water and it's supposed to absorb dye that's floating around in the water so that Mm -hmm. it doesn't reattach to other yarn fibers. Now, where do you purchase those? I got mine on Amazon. I oh, think okay. it's Shout brand, I think. Oh, okay. So, because I could not find them in any of our local stores. Mm. I looked a lot. So what I did 
this weekend is I reset the dye in my skeins using citric acid. And I used Pearl Soho's blog. They have instructions on how to do this, and I'll link to it in the show notes or our Ravelry thread. The citric acid is, correct me if I'm wrong, you bought food quality citric acid? So citric acid is vitamin C, basically. And you can buy it in most natural food stores. I happened to get this on Amazon as well, just because we were placing an order anyway. And I think it cost me like $5 for a pound of citric acid. So I gave Charlene a pretty big Ziploc bag full, and I have probably a lifetime supply of citric (laughs) acid. Because what you do is you dissolve a teaspoon per skein of citric acid, which is not very much, Mm -mm. in boiling water so that it dissolves. Mm -hmm. And then you add about three cups of tepid water. And you don't want the water to be too hot because... That could felt your wool. You so, don't want to felt yeah, you your do not unused want, Yeah, that would be a heartbreaker. <laughs> so you want to make sure that the water, after you've mixed in the other three cups, is not too warm. Then you soak your skein. I was soaking two skeins. I did them in separate batches. You soak it for, I think, about 15 minutes. And then you get a piece of plastic wrap that's about a foot longer than your skein. You lay your skein down on the plastic wrap and you wrap it up like a jelly roll. You put it in the microwave for two minutes and then you open the door to the microwave, let it sit for two to three minutes and be careful when you pick it up because it's gonna be hot. (laughs) They were very hot. And then you take the skein out of the plastic and you put it in, well, I let mine cool because they were so hot. I didn't wanna put really, really hot wool into cool water because that's another, recipe for felting. Felting happens when you change temperature really fast with a yarn and or agitate it and or add soap. So the final instruction was get about six cups of warmish water with wool wash in it and then soak the skeins for 15 more minutes and then squeeze them out gently. And if any dye is remaining, you can repeat those steps again with the citric acid and the microwave, which I did not need to do. Both of my skeins that I was treating, there was no dye leakage whatsoever. So my water was perfectly clean. I didn't need to reset them at all. So that was pretty cool. But I have another, I'm going to do a yellow skein this week for my throwback because I know that bleeds. And I know because I just washed Max's sweater this weekend and there was some colored leakage. So I'm going to make sure that I pre-treat that color before I start my throwback sweater. Oh, and Boo is back. The sweet little black kitty. He's so tiny, he's like a kitten. So that was how to reset dye in a skein. And what that basically means is sometimes when dyers dye yarn, there's extra dye left in the yarn. So if you've ever blocked something and seen that color left in the water, that means that there was unexhausted dye left in the yarn and that dye needs a place to go. So if you're blocking, it just gets released into the water. But if you are blocking something with multiple colors, those dye molecules can bind to the other yarn, which leads to discoloration and leads to very sad knitters. So that's the process. (laughs) So hopefully some of you will find that useful. And if you have any questions, go ahead and post them in the Ravelry thread for this episode because it was really easy. The yarn still isn't dry. 
just like my sweater. I blocked mm, them all on the yeah. same day. So it's going to take a while for them to dry. Yeah. I don't know how yarn dyers dry their yarn. <laughs> if the weather isn't beautiful and hot, I don't know how they do it. It's crazy. It yeah. takes forever to dry. It could. <laughs> Boo is standing by the door where he knows his treats are. And he's mad at me because I didn't bring my felt in bag. <laughs> he's very upset with me. And with that, I think we've come to the end. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you everybody so much for listening. Hopefully you found that helpful. And... <laughs> On that note, happy knitting. Happy knitting, everyone. Bye. Bye-bye. Hi again, everybody. We got so excited when Boo jumped up on the table and started talking to us that we forgot to mention the Knockers Retreat, the 2019 Northern California Knitting Retreat, which we commonly and lovingly refer to as Knockers, will be held April 11th through 14th next year at the St. Francis Retreat Center, where it always is. And most of the details are the same this year as they have been for previous years. You still have the option to attend either Friday through Sunday or Thursday through Sunday. And if you've attended in the past two years, you will have already received your invitation to register for next year. If you have not attended in the past two years, but would like to attend, please send email to Tracy from the two Knit Lit Chicks. And that email address is the number two knitlitchicks at gmail.com. She'll send you information and a registration form. And this is how it's going to work. So everyone who wants to register your payment or deposit will be due on November 30th. And anyone who's attended in the last two years will be automatically put on our list. And any remaining spaces, Tracy will do a random draw to get you in. So I think every year everyone who's been on the waiting list has had an opportunity to attend. So please reach out to Tracy if you haven't attended in the last two years. Get yourself on the list and we look forward to seeing you. You can find our podcast on iTunes at Yarniacs Podcast. Visit our blog with show notes at yarniacs.com. We have a friendly and engaging Yarniacs Podcast Ravelry group my rivalry name is Knitter Ninja Shar. Gail's is Gailey Whaley. You can follow us on Twitter at Yarniacs or on Instagram at Yarniac and at Gailey Whaley.